All right, we are back. Let's just touch on a little bit of science today. Um, it's it's certainly a mixed bag on today's program of miscellany. And we're looking very forward to bringing uh, NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory scientist Trina Ray back on this program. In fact, we are designating her our Jet Propulsion Laboratory correspondent to talk about uh, the upcoming landing on Saturn, Saturn's moon Titan by the um, Huygens space probe. Um, a look back at the radar view through the clouds, through the smog that uh, that's in the um, the Titan atmosphere, um, has all these intriguing patterns on the surface. But uh, preliminary preliminary indications may be that um, Cassini has spotted an ice volcano. Yes, a volcano that's spewing out water and ice, slush, in effect, on, on the moon. It is so cold there that, uh, that ice would be like cement, unless uh, deep in the bowels of the moon there is some internal heating, and we're, and we're certain that there is some of that going on. But, um, you know, we don't, we don't know yet. It's the first look. We will know more in the future. But uh, uh, intriguing pictures that are very hard to decipher. Trina told us that a few weeks ago. But uh, by God, as time goes by, we're going to figure that out. Um, I'm looking also at a picture from New Scientist, one of our favorite science, maybe our, our favorite science magazine on this show. Uh, the 30th of October issue of this year had a picture that I just I, I set aside and I just quite, just couldn't quite make heads or tails out of it. It looked like a picture of El Capitan or some structure in Yosemite Valley uh, plunging down into a river. But then I realized looking at the picture that it's actually taken from straight up looking down at a river from, uh, from space. And... Uh, what looks like El Capitan uh, is horizontal. And what, what geologists and, uh, and, and, and space scientists have figured out is that what they're looking at is a picture of a river gorge that confirms the fact that in about A.D. 760, the biggest flood in recent times occurred in Tibet. Uh, apparently, there was an ice dam left over from the ice ages high in the, the Tibetan plateau that uh, finally catastrophically broke loose 1,300 years ago, causing a lake that's about 700 feet deep, 240 meters deep, to disgorge nearly 80 cubic kilometers of water down the slopes at the rate of a million cubic meters per second. You know... I'm afraid I'm not hydrologist enough to explain what uh, how that would compare to like the flow out of Folsom Dam, but I've got a feeling it's probably something like a thousand times greater, maybe ten thousand times greater. I don't know. I should have done the math before the broadcast, but we'll we'll correct that uh, for you in the future. But you know, you don't even need to do the math if you can look at this this photograph and what looks just like a scoured bit of granite that is horizontal from the effect of all this cascading water, well, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that's an example of a picture being worth a thousand words. You might want to go on the website or get a copy of the magazine, uh, 30th October. Take a look at this picture. It, it is impressive. All right, the current issue has a couple items of note. The United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization said last week that edible caterpillars, grubs, and insects should be embraced as a source of protein-rich food in Central Africa. Richer in protein and calories than beef and fish, they could certainly help combat malnutrition in children. 
I think I've told this story on this show before, but I guess it's time to tell it again. When I was in Botswana, which is that, uh, that rather stable and prosperous country just north of South Africa, on your, on your African map, uh, Botswana is famous for the Okavango Delta, which is a, an inward flowing stream. The water disappears into the desert. It's got wildlife uh, beyond belief. It's one of the great spots in Africa to go for a photographic safari, and I intend to, uh, to get there before I die. Um, but anyway, I made a little foray up into Botswana for several days when I was visiting uh, southern Africa. And I'd heard about the fact that, uh, that there's this huge caterpillar migration every year, which are gathered up by the locals and basically fried or dried or pounded into protein powder and mixed with, uh, with wheat, etc. And sure enough, driving around, my then uh, Belgian girlfriend and I encountered people with huge sacks of what looked like sort of brownish curly fries. So I went over at one point, knowing at one point I had to try these out, and, and asked, I had like a 10-cent coin in my pocket, and asked a woman selling them, how many can I get for this? And she took the 10-cent coin, smiled, and handed me three fried caterpillars. So as I was contemplating what to do next, this proper sort of British fellow with a, a mustache looking like he was something out of Gunga Din, strode up and looked down and examined the situation and said, they're worms. They eat them. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, well, and how do they taste? He sort of sniffed at me and said, I don't know. I don't eat worms. <laughs> well, I decided I was going to eat worms, and I got to tell you, they weren't bad. Kind of like, uh, kind of, you know, a little bit, not quite a McDonald's French fry or any other French fry, but it did have a very uh, French fry-like texture to it. No, really. I mean, they've done studies showing that insects with their rapid uh, 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 rates of growth are certainly a much more efficient way to, uh, to um, basically uh, ranch, I guess, uh, high-protein foods. If we just get over the idea and, and go ahead and eat, you know... I mean, the Bible's full of stories about eating locusts, and I understand the, the Chinese refer to them as brush shrimp. And yes, uh, as in my days as a student here at, at UCD, uh, some, some wag did have some, some frozen grasshoppers he took out of the freezer, and we microwaved them, and, and, and they really, they're not half bad. Who out there among us does not loathe spam? Well, uh, apparently a Virginia judge is going to decide in February whether a couple of fraudsters, Jeremy Janes, age 30, and Jessica DeGroote, age 28, could become the first people to be jailed for spamming. The brother and sister combo amassed $24 million from internet scams involving bogus products. Personally, I don't think a uh, nine-year sentence is too much for spammers, especially when you got $24 million in uh, ill-gotten loot when you get out. Yeah, I'd say throw the book at these guys. All right, we got one final item, and we're going to try and bridge the gap as we sometimes do between Radio Parallax and Hometown Atrocities, uh, which follows, at least I think it follows. I'm never quite sure when we've got a few minutes left, whether it's Todd or, or someone substituting who's running around and, and gathering up CDs for your listening pleasure. any rate, someone is going to follow you with some eclectic music. I, I'm sure of that. And uh, what better way to bridge the gap between our two programs than to tell the wild thing story? 
Wild Thing's been described as one of those ridiculously catchy tunes that you can't forget. It's been a hit in three different decades and performed by some of the greatest and well as some of the most forgettable artists out there in music. The Wild Thing story is as follows. In 1966, Chip Taylor, who is the actor, uh, who is the brother of actor John Voight, was a songwriter working for a music publisher in New York City. One day he got a phone call from a friend who was producing a record by a group called Jordan Christopher and the Wild Ones. The friend explained that the, the songs he was supposed to use in the album just weren't good enough. He wanted if Taylor had something different, something unique. Taylor said he'd work on it and he would send something over. So Chip Taylor was going to go over to the recording studio at 5 o'clock uh, and didn't do much till about 4 o'clock and then this sort of this tune started coming to him. Um, so he walks over at 5 and tells the guy in the studio that, you know, hey, look, look don't stop me, all right? I'm just going to do some nonsense thing here and, and let's see what comes out. So he said he had the chorus, uh, chorus in his head already and just put out what he's described later as exactly what you hear on the records. But the next morning, he listened to what he thought of as a terrible song and thought, to, oh, God, you know, okay, I promised I'd send something over to this guy. Um, oh, God, okay, okay, I'm going to send this over, but please don't anybody hear the, anybody else hear the demo that I did. Apparently, it was recorded by Christopher Jordan and the Wild Ones. They did it with horns. They did it in a rather strange way. It kind of just sunk from sight. And Chip Taylor was kind of relieved. He said, well, that's just as well. He was kind of embarrassed about the whole idea. But the music publisher he worked for had a deal with a music company in England. And they'd asked to send over everything they published to the British company. Well, Taylor was horrified and asked them specifically not to send it over, but somehow it was included with the other material they sent. To his immense surprise, a few months later, Wild Thing, as recorded by a little-known group called The Trogs, hit number two in England, and hit number one in the United States. Even more surprising to Taylor, it became a rock classic recorded by everybody from Jimi Hendrix to X. Taylor himself got into the fun in 1967 when he produced a Wild Thing satire as performed by Senator Bobby Kennedy. Even that version was a top 20 hit. You know, and I, I remember that hit by the Bobby Kennedy uh, imitator. The part I like best about this whole story, the ocarina solo on the Trogs record was copied from Taylor's demo tape, where it was originally played on someone's hands, not an instrument. Apparently, while the engineer Ron Johnson was playing the tape back in the studio, Taylor heard him playing, playing that little, little ditty on his hands and said, go on, go on, do that in the middle part. So if you, he said, if you play my demo against the Trogs record, you'll see. It's almost exactly the same. Our thanks today go to our guest, Dr. Howard McKinney. We look forward to talking to him again. And, uh, you know, I think miscellaneous stuff fully qualifies as public affairs, and I'll arm wrestle anyone who argues with me. And I hope you enjoyed uh, today's Thanksgiving show. 
We will see you again uh, next Thursday at 5. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. And this program was produced by Edward McMillan. Now, stay tuned for Todd or, or whoever's here in the studio. Who is here? Just remember, just remember, everybody gonna think you're a Jew. Bye!